You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Todd. I'm Paul. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Hello again. Welcome back to the podcast. Happy Friday. What never ceases to amaze me is we'll go a week or so with no announcements, no new things to share in the car world other than mm-hmm. whatever we're going to talk about in our in our debates and stuff. And then I feel like when announcements come, it's like four companies pile on at once. <laughs> Whenever friends are introducing me to other people, they always kind of stumble over what it is you and I do. <laughs> Does this happen to you? Yes, it's very hard. Kind yes. of, well, Paul does this thing with cars and I just stop everybody and say, I'm a car super freak. Fair. Yes, that's good. Excellent. There's normal enthusiasts and then there's me and Todd and we're just... (laughs) We're blazing a trail. (laughs) (laughs) And people just sort of look at me like, huh. And it depends on the person, but then their eyes glaze over. I'm sure that happens to you listening to. Yes. But welcome back to the podcast. You have found your home for car enthusiast driving. We just got back from the Toyota driving event Mm -hmm. at UMC, our local track. Yep. Just finished driving. So today was a good day. It's the yes. GR Corolla and the GR Supra manual transmission. Embargoes are September 7th, 2022 for the Supra mm-hmm. and September 14th, 2022 for the GR Corolla. Which means we cannot which say will much. Be, yeah, we, we can't talk about it too much, but we're going to have some teaser videos and point of views yes. uh, driving out on the Test Drive channel. And then uh, larger pieces will be forthcoming when those, once those embargoes drop. Speaking of larger pieces, and we'll come back around to other weird announcements. If you haven't seen it already, our Porsche GT film that we filmed as this year's part of this year's pilgrimage trip, we filmed it around the ring and spa, also on the actual track of spa. It is a nine, sorry, I'm about to go Porsche geeky. Just stay with me. It's a bunch of chassis that's coming at you. Super freaks. The 991.2 GT3 RS, the 992 GT3. Those are both 911s from different generations, huh. in case you aren't following along. And the latest and greatest King of the Caymans, the GT4 RS, which has never happened before, the Cayman with the 911 super engine. We did all three of those cars on track, on spa. We also mm. did the GT3 mm. and the GT4 RS on road. If you haven't seen that piece, it's on our original main YouTube channel. We're quite proud of it. We cannot believe we got to drive those cars. It's fairly intensive. We'd love for you to watch. And then on the test drive channel, we just dropped the 4xE Cherokee piece. And that is soon to follow with stuff related to the Super and the Corolla. There's a lot. <laughs> Let's continue with the 2023 Honda Civic Type R that oh, has yes. just been announced, the 11th generation Type R. Like an hour ago. <laughs> yeah, 315 horsepower, 310 pound-feet of torque, mm. front-wheel drive, wider track front and rear, retuned suspension. It looks really good. It looks very good. Well, the current Civic, I actually excited. think, looks really good. The, the updated style I actually really yeah. like. And so this is the Type R version of that. So it's very good looking. It is the most powerful Civic Type R ever. We are fascinated to drive it because we like the current SI so very much. Yeah. This, and we yeah. like the last Type R in a lot. So this bodes really well. I'm excited about comparisons with that Type R and other things like maybe the Corolla. I agree. Well, I went hunting and I'm sure I missed a few, but I counted in today's market. Okay. At least 12 manual transmission equipped cars you can buy, you can purchase mm. right now in this era, in this. That's good. No, the manuals are dead. You can't buy 12 of them. And we're all going electric. At least. 
<laughs> I mean, good cars. Okay. So make your own list. There's too many at this point. That's a good thing. I'm very excited. Of course, uh, nobody's – look, This here's what's going to happen. We're going to drop Corolla GR content. We have some coming, quite a bit coming actually, yeah. on that car. And people are going to say, well, I wish you guys would drive it against the Civic Type R, which I'm going to remind you right now. We currently shot the Corolla that was announced six, eight months ago. The Type R, no one's driven. All that's out is photos. So we're eight months to a year from getting into that car. And I mean us and everybody else. So let's be excited, but let's calm down and be excited about the Corolla because it exists. (laughs) Yes. And the Type R when it really does. Speaking of things that may or may not exist, I want to talk about Ariel for a minute. We never talk about Ariel. We never have. But, here, but here's the thing. Ariel, these are the makers of that essentially caged, bodiless, really small sports car yeah. that you could get over here and put all kinds of crazy engines yeah, in it. it has all kind of engines. Exactly. Yep. They made the Atom. Then they made the Nomad, which is the off-road dune buggy version of that. Which I think is really cool. I, I like both of those a both lot. Both of those are incredibly cool. You've yeah. never seen a cage-only car look so cool. I've always thought those were yeah. awesome. Yeah. So this is what Ariel's been known for. Now, the good news about Ariel, which is a tiny company is they never made three wheelers that's i feel about all tiny companies make a three wheeler because they can get around regulations these were four <laughs> wheel true, cars true. open top really cool very fascinating i've always wanted to drive one the nomad looks like something i would like to own which i know sounds crazy because i'm not an off-roader yeah, but like, totally. let's own a nomad they're going to do something new with a full body it's Apparently. just been announced in the uk mm-hmm. that, that, that people like top gear have driven the prototype it is a prototype so who knows how far out this really is but this is their first like closed body car. They're calling it the hipper car. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't that. say hyper car because it is H I P E R because it has to do with high performance, blah, 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 blah. So it's the hipper car. I'm calling it that until somebody it tells is. me otherwise, yeah, but that is how it's spelled. Here are the stats. This is an electric sports car mm-hmm. from Ariel. Now keep in mind the Adam and the nomad are kind of Lotus Elise thinking. They're really light. Yeah. They're really small. They True. have a tiny little engine, and guess what? They go crazy quick. This also goes crazy quick because it's full electric. But it is an enclosed car with a lot of carbon. It's supposed to weigh about 3,700 pounds, it's between 1,500 and 1,700 kilograms, depending okay. upon what we're talking depending about. On so that's yeah. mid-3,000s, yeah. yeah. okay? Yeah. And it's all-wheel drive. surprisingly heavy. You can get it in all-wheel yeah. drive or rear-wheel drive, theoretically. The all-wheel drive version, <clears throat> 1,163 horsepower, 1,300 pound-feet of torque. That's a lot. That's a ton. And then the rear-wheel drive-only version will be a riot at 580 horsepower, 660-something pound-feet of torque. This is all electric, which means it'll be instant torque. People are going to spin those in the parking lot. It's supposed to be 0 mm. to 60 in less than two seconds. I'm saying all of this because I'm fascinated that Ariel is, is trying to do a moonshot electric hypercar, or hypercar in this case. Hypercar. But what I don't understand is, have you seen this? This is not a visual podcast. <laughs> I have read multiple things just today of magazines trying to step very carefully tiptoe around the obvious reality of the fact that this is ugly. It's not attractive. Okay. I've inspected this a bit more. Okay. And I kind of like it. I wondered if you might. I think it's it's catastrophically ugly. The best way I can describe the styling is that it is a car in search of a superhero. Mm-hmm. Invent a superhero that does something. Mm-hmm. I don't care. And this will be their car. It looks to me like a thrown out concept. When you do concepts of what the what Batmobile is going to look like in the new Batman movie, this was one of the concepts that they went now. The reason I like it so much is because Ariel is such a boutique manufacturer. They're so small, and they can. Mm -hmm. If they were making sort of normal body panels, and okay, that looks pretty staid, and okay, you could mistake it for maybe a Civic Type R. (laughs) Like, what are you doing? Go crazy, guys. Go Mm. blue sky. Let it hang out. Have your favorite 
adult beverage and do something. Drunken sketching it battles. Is, that is exactly what That happens what it in is. design school and you like look at it the next day, bleary-eyed, move the cold pizza out of the way. <laughs> what is that thing? What did I draw last night? Huh, let's turn it upside down and turn it into a car. Yeah, that could work. But this has an EV with a gas turbine range extender. Yeah. It's an EV with a giant tailpipe. It's a pretty big <laughs> tailpipe for an electric car there, don't, yep. know, don't you think? But that will give you, depending on how you drive the car, a bit more range. It's mm-hmm. 47 extra horsepower. But it's an EV with a giant pipe. Yeah. It, it looks sweet. It's, I, it's, mm. I like it a lot. That's the really funny that, that I you decided this, you like it. I think it I is want to drive catastrophically the sketch. ugly. It's a sketch that I want to get in. I want to go drive that thing. And because everybody will ask you about it, it's such a conversation True. piece. Yes, yes. And You'll make new friends, and it's the opposite of boring. Look up boring. I, yes. And then this is the opposite of that. It's the antonym I, for boredom. I'm literally flipping through the photos as we speak, and the rear I'm actually okay with because it does look like a, a Batmobile. Every other angle, the more I flip around, the more I feel, I feel like assaulted. This is not attractive. It should reach out and assault you without doing anything. It clearly is. Yeah, I am that's a nearly in pain because, wow. I mean, let's see what they do because their, their stuff so far has been really cool. But this is reduction. what this is. Carbon reduction. The entire car is carbon. The hipper reduction. car. Hipper car. We all want to talk about the go fast parts. We're thinking of putting on our vehicles. But what about the stop fast parts? Brakes are an essential part of your vehicle's maintenance, and upgrading is better than just simply replacing. You can transform your vehicle into a stopping powerhouse with a Power Stop Brake Upgrade Kit that includes carbon ceramic brake pads, drilled and slotted rotors, and all the stainless steel hardware that you need to complete your upgrade. Power Stop is on a mission to provide a complete and affordable brake upgrade kit for pretty much every vehicle on the road. If you tow, they have that. Off-road, track days, they have all that as well. They even have kits for brand new vehicles like our Toyota GR86. Take care of your brakes and even improve them by heading to PowerStop.com and entering your vehicle's information into their easy-to-use brake finder that'll match you with the right brake kit for your vehicle. This is the All Colorado Podcast Edition. Notice that, yes. Christopher B. is in Denver, Colorado, and he is transitioning from a sports car enthusiast to an outdoors enthusiast. Mm-hmm. He says, guys, help. He's the only person he knows who has off-road recovery gear in their Fiesta ST, and he knows he's going to break something very soon. <laughs> he loves that Fiesta. He bought it when he was actually living in Florida. He bought that Fiesta. He loves it. He drove it everywhere. He, w- he was even running the SCCA chapter for a while. He has done incredible miles on this Fiesta. He has loved it. But now, it's a 2016. He had it since new, 80,000 miles. He's driven it back and forth across the country, autocross track. He says, I can initiate liftoff oversteer on demand. <laughs> the problem is, he went from Florida, lots of tracking events. He moved to Denver, Colorado area, and now he just gets out in the mountains all the time. And that means this has become the fire road car, which on yeah. Sundays is probably a riot. But what he's realizing is he can't go far enough. In the Fiesta. He, he's, he's just worried about <laughs> stranding himself somewhere. I see it. Christopher has discovered the great outdoors. He has lost most interest in tracking, hmm. autocrossing, or spirited mountain drives. Wow. 
He would say, sadly, but honestly, he doesn't miss it. Mm. He got a dog, a mountain bike, snowboards, and camping gear. He must have just missed out on the Subaru dispenser somewhere. I think you were sick that day or you missed the sign-up sheet somewhere. If, if you stay in Denver long enough, I think you're bound to find that dispenser because I'm certain that it's there. Just go northwest to Boulder. Something like that. Maybe it's yep. over there somewhere next to the CU campus. Mm-hmm. Stand, stand forlorn next to a Subaru dealer for long enough with a broken-down Fiesta ST, and one will just fall in your lap, I think. <laughs> well, he has taken the Fiesta ST. He's put proper snow tires on it. Good. And then he says he was in snow so deep he was plowing with the car. You should put a blade on the front. I love that. Go start a side job, a little side hustle. I love that some money. so much. But then he gets partially stuck on trails that he shouldn't even look at. <laughs> so what he does now is drive to Moab a couple times a year, comes to Utah and rents a Wrangler Rubicon, which is great for Moab. But yes. he says when he's home, there's less rental options like there are in Moab. And there's dozens, if not hundreds, of 4x4 trails in Colorado that he wants to go drive and camp and hike from. So he wants to drive to base camp and Mm -hmm. clamber up and do his thing and go camping and hiking. What's happened here is he's in in a new stage of life. And this happens for all of us. You you get to, you make a new move, you get a new job, and and many of the things around the core of where you live all ripple and change. Mm -hmm. And that's happened to him because he's moved to Colorado. And I think it's interesting, two things, that you're less interested in cars but you were still driving that Fiesta ST, loving driving it when you are in it, and you're listening to this podcast. <laughs> it's true. So I suggest, I'm just putting this out there, Christopher, I, we're going to talk about non-enthusiast, non-great backroad carving cars. We're going to talk about 4x4s and stuff to get you to crazy trailheads in the middle of nowhere. But I think the sports car is coming back around. Five years, 10 years. I think you're going to get to a place I, in your I, life I where too. you're like, you know I what too. I really want for a while? Because a lot of the Colorado roads are brilliant for sports cars. That's true. That's true. Well, Christopher has started shopping 4x4s. He's already considered the two-car thing, but he really wants good highway manners and safety in this mm. vehicle for the road trips. And he feels like he needs to use all of his budget to pull that off. Okay. Otherwise, he'd just go get an older Jeep and be done mm. with it. Yeah. But for those times when he does get the itch to drive sporty cars, he says renting a Sports car is actually a more viable option than the opposite, renting a 4x4 and keeping the sports car. I see it. So he wants to sell or trade the Fiesta ST, and combined, he's got a hard Paul limiter of $50,000 before tax and title. Interesting. Okay. Who would like to buy Christopher's Fiesta ST? It's got 80,000 miles. It's been well-loved, and they're excellent. Yes, Uh, they're superb. (laughs) Let us know. Well, things he'd like would be first, a locking rear diff, but at least sort of rock crawling capability in the medium range yeah not he's not he's not going to try to tackle the worst of moab in this right but pretty much any fire road he might want to do he wants people like yeah we'll go down that says number two comfortable for long road trips with a passenger and a dog and gear okay apple carplay is number three on the list and then number four he says approximately 20 miles to the gallon or greater okay that's not most jeeps that's That's not not most most big four by fours for sure yeah yeah, off-roaders and then finally number five four doors he works in tech and goes into the office only a couple times a week, but he does have a 30-mile round-trip commute, mostly highway. He sends us options that include the 2023 Colorado ZR2, the Ford Bronco, Jeep Wrangler, the Ford Ranger Tremor, mm-hmm. and two t- Toyotas, the Tacoma and Forerunner, both of which are pretty much on their last legs as far yeah, as generations. Yeah. We're waiting for Toyota to drop the new ones. They're on both us. about to be updated pretty much any minute, even though I will say this. Uh, and this is a blanket Toyota statement right now. The Toyota trucks are some of the oldest in all of their segment, and they're slowly being refreshed right now. Tundra's already gone through a refresh. Sequoia mm-hmm. just did. Tacoma and Forerunner are awaiting it. 
And that's because the engines they all came out of, six-cylinder in the Tacoma, a V8 in the Tundra, have been pretty much reliable as the earth turning. And they have been naturally aspirated (laughs) with very, like, four- or five-speed transmissions and terrible gas mileage, but they will run in spite of you. And now Toyota is going to better gas mileage and turbocharging in smaller engines. Mm-hmm. And everybody that has just essentially bowed down to those old Toyota engines is re- is very worried, and potentially correctly so. What is the reliability going to be of these big turbos? We don't know. Now, turbos are not what they were 20, 30 years ago. No. So they should be much more reliable, and to- Toyota, of course, is concerned about that. But there is, a, there is a major shift happening here. So we know people that are like scrambling to buy Tacomas and Forerunners right now before they stop making the current one because they're terrified of turbos. But, I hear you. And there's hybridization that's a potential from yes, Toyota. Yes, for, for sure. For both of but those. you did mention here, real quick, Chris, I want to say you mentioned that you've heard the Toyota Tacoma has bad, ergon- uh, bad ergonomics. You know what? What you've heard is true. It is very true. They are, yeah. that, is, that truck looks so cool. It's one of the other things that's helped it stay around for so long. comes in so many variants. looks so very cool. You can get it from looking really small to full double cab and full bed, and it looks as big as any full-size pickup. But I don't ever like riding in it. Mm-hmm. Legs are too far straight out. Seats aren't comfortable enough. It's ergonomically bad, but it's cool and old. And <laughs> I'm old. Sorry to say it. Well, Chris's favorite option right now is that Bronco four-door manual non-Sasquatch version. He says he's maybe thinking about ordering something because of long lead times. Mm. Just going ahead and doing something now and, and holding off, depending on what you settle on, you might have to wait. And he could wait. He says he could wait it out if he had to. Yeah. Sure. I'm surprised the Nissan Frontier isn't on your list of at least things to go drive, Chris. I noticed that as well. It should be. Yeah. I mean, yeah. we noted how good it is on highway pavement at speed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe 20-ish is kind of give and take. I, I don't know that they're very much, very far over 20 miles to the gallon. Of course, if you do anything with the throttle, you're not going to get that great of gas yes, mileage, but they're decent. Yes. And that suspension has been retuned so that the ride is very, very good on the highway. Mm-hmm. And of course, off-road capability is astounding. They're fantastic. It's a fantastic refresh. It's one of our favorites in the segment because, again, it's on the front end of all those being refreshed. Watch our Nissan Frontier launch video. We, we actually drove the version prior, the year prior, that mm-hmm. was the last legs of the prior version, but with the new engine. And then we drove the new engine in the new Frontier, and they did really good things. That's actually, I feel like, one of the best executions Nissan's done right now, where they're refreshing their whole lineup by taking the bones of the prior gen mm-hmm. and revising those bones to make a new car. I think the Frontier is one of the biggest success stories of that approach. Agreed. But you did say that you work in tech, and you do have the highway commute. Mm-hmm. And even though you've got that hard limiter of $50,000, <laughs> guess what I'm going to do to it? Mm. Because you probably have a pretty good job. And I have the vehicle that is built for you. Oh, good. Okay, great. It is the Wrangler Rubicon 4xe. Oh, no, that's interesting. They start at just under $55,000. So just a... It's no money. Just <laughs> no a money. tiny little bit more yeah, okay, over right. your actual budget. But the entire point is, and we just dropped our... Grand Cherokee 4xE. Yeah, now, we have yeah. not driven that powertrain in the Rubicon, and er, sorry, in the Wrangler. Sure, yeah, yeah. But we came away more impressed with that car than I think either of us expected to be. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. We thought, okay, it's just going to be hybridization mm-hmm. with some electric motors and a gas engine and whoopee. Yeah, yeah. 
Now the Grand Cherokee is seventy five grand. Yeah. But this Wrangler Rubicon starts at about fifty five, and the entire point is that you can drive with a gas engine mm-hmm. to your campsite, and then in electric mode you'll get about twenty to thirty miles of electric range, and you do it in electric mode. Yeah. And you cruise around the campsite, you cruise up the trail silently. You can, certainly. And then drive back home on the gas engine. And you have this 30-mile round-trip commute a mm-hmm. couple times a week. You could utilize it then, too. It's a great point. You could, he could almost be gasless going back and forth on his commute. I think he would I mean, just barely be into the gas it, engine. It'll yeah. still kick in at yeah. certain higher speeds. It just yeah. has to. But I think that will select every box on here. Mm, I see that. rear diff. It's, it's comfortable, but it's not as comfortable as others, other SUVs. But then you're talking... You know, SUVs that don't have a locking rear diff and they're not built for the kind of trails that I think you want to go on. Yeah, fair. I, I think that the, the, the on-road manners is a place where you're going to suffer a little bit. But if you hadn't brought up the Wrangler, I would say, ooh, no, that's, that's not good enough. We're right. But you already brought it up. And so in that regard, I see where you are for sure. Chris, I thought the 4xE was just, hey, we want to me to get our hybridization going. And it's just kind of this niche thing and a few people will buy it and then we'll move on to something real in the future. It's real now. Mm. It's really good. Surprisingly good. So much so it's worth your attention. At least go drive one. At I least check it out and you know ask yourself, could that fit? Because yeah, Apple CarPlay, mm-hmm. about 20 miles to the gallon combined. At least mm-hmm. four doors. Looks pretty interesting. I, I'm surprised by the 4 by e nomenclature you. and what it's done to Jeeps. I didn't. I didn't expect to like that at all. I hear you on that. And that that for this list, do you think you've done really, really grand? well? For Chris? I mean, you're yeah. gonna have to just. Yeah, go he over has a to go bit. above. Yeah, but it if it if the car you get, you pay a little bit more, and you like it eighty percent to a hundred percent more than backing off and getting something that uh, almost kind of did it for you, but you just still wonder like. Could I, could I have, and I would enjoy my life and the, the mm, lifestyle mm-hmm. that you're going after. I could achieve it just that much more. Mm. It might be worth it. That's good. It also reminds me, and I think this is past now, but when they first released the Wrangler Rubicon 4xE, for a small period of time, it was the most popular version of the Rubicon because you could get a lease deal on it because they were trying to move them. So it was the cheapest way to get a Rubicon. And they were doing like the the new buyer surveys and discovering that most of the people that were leasing a new 4xE Rubicon at the time, this is when they were first released. Right, right. Didn't care that it was electric and had no interest in using it that way. They just wanted to get a Rubicon as inexpensively as possible, which is hysterical. But for Chris, you're right. He could almost do his commute that way. That's excellent. I have a couple other thoughts, but that is really good. I mean, you said Wrangler's on here, so you've got to look at the 4xE flavor. Yeah. It may not fit price, you know, once they bump them up, it might be just that much, you know, too much for you. But and the on-road manners are not great. They're not great. All your off-roading and any Moab trip, you are handled now. But to your point, he wants to go through this phase in his life and then a sports car, I think will come back around. You're going to mm-hmm. enjoy this for a period of time and think, you know what, maybe I'll go after some use GR86 or true. You know, use Z4 true, true. Yeah. or something cool and then that'll be back in your life. But enjoy this time now. I like that you're embracing it. Chris, this is interesting. I'm going to go, I'm going to swing the other way on this conversation, less hardcore, because my question for you, and only you can answer this, Chris, but my question for you is, you've been doing stuff in a Fiesta ST and you've been looking at things you can't do, mm-hmm. but you've also been acknowledging that when you go to Moab, you rent a Jeep for Moab. So I it's get true. the sense what we're talking about is heavy duty fire roads, which do you need a locking diff? 
I mean, more, maybe, but he'll come across sections of trails that he'll want to. And then he's just like, I'm just going to do it. Exactly. So I'm wondering, where's the line? Because the other thing I'm realizing here is you've done a lot of trails you shouldn't have successfully in a Fiesta ST. So if you had just. (laughs) Hence the off-road recovery here. So if you had just a little bit more capability than that, would that get you everything you need? You might be as a little bit on edge as you are in your Fiesta ST right now, but you're in a far more hardcore situation. So I'm just wondering how hardcore do you need to be because the trade-off here is, and I love the 4 by e Wrangler, but the trade-off here is how much road tripping, how much on-road, how much off-road, what's your balance here? Because you're trying to do a one-car option. So the hardcore option I have for you, I want to talk about the Bronco Wrangler real quick, pardon me, the Bronco manual real quick, because you brought it up as getting a four-door manual non-Sasquatch Bronco. Now, a couple things there. First off, that means the small engine, the 2.3. That's the small engine, in there, and that has had some, some strange reliability going on with it. So look into that. It doesn't mean every, you know, it's like the IMS issue for Porsche or the RTV thing that's being discussed in 86s. It is not a, this will definitely happen, but there's been some problems and Ford's looking into it. So look into that engine. But I will also say this, unfortunately, the manual is only offered with the small engine, but to my utter astonishment, it is one of the better feeling manuals on sale right now. I'm including sports cars. I'm including mm. all of it. Mm. I got in that seven-speed manual. And was like this is wonderful to work with. So if you like a manual transmission, that actual seven-speed manual in the Bronco is great. So I highly recommend that. So the Bronco is really interesting for you. I do like that. The new Colorado you mentioned that could be interesting as well. We haven't driven it yet, but we like the prior one. That could be really cool. But I have two wild cards because I'm not sure if they're hardcore enough for your off-roading. You'll have to answer. But I think they are better for everything else. And one is the Maverick. Get yourself oh, a really? Ford Maverick. Interesting. Get yourself the all-wheel drive Ford Maverick and have a nice day. No, it doesn't have locking diffs. Now, they're going to come out with an off-roady version of that. You know they are. But sure. They haven't yet. But get yourself the off the, pardon me, the, the current turbo all-wheel drive version of the Maverick. You'll get great gas mileage. It has fully modern tech. That is the perfect... I have a normal commute, normal life on road, and guess what? I'm going to go far afield. Hmm. And then that's not a bad idea. I, I have I like to say that. it, and, and you could get one. You budget fifty grand, get get a loaded out Maverick. Have a nice day. Yeah. Yes, easy. for sure. Don't pay markup. But anyway, my other one is you've moved to Denver. You've noticed all the Subarus around. Oh, could you get by with a Crosstrek, a Crosstrek Sport? That is the little bit more powerful one, right? It is actually, it's not a full SUV. You still have some car-like tendencies in that as far as how it feels to drive. Sure, but don't you think he wants to go full, you know, full throttle the other direction? Well, but I think it depends on how hardcore he needs to go. Because if a lot of what you're doing is road tripping and then some fire roads, the Crosstrek Sport does all of that. If it's every mm-hmm. now and then we're going to get a little hardcore, maybe push the Crosstrek a little bit. Well, you have a lift because it should be a hatchback, and it's not. It's a CUV. You can't see the, the air quotes because they lifted it. That Crosstrek can go a ton of places. Your Fiesta ST couldn't. True. And then it's still car-like ride on the road. So I think you might be a candidate in the Subaru lineup. <laughs> your Subaru, Chris. Welcome to Colorado. <laughs> Here's Subaru. your Subaru. Get yourself a Crosstrek Sport. That is my thought. The two, so two wild cards because it's more daily than mm-hmm. it is off-road. But either one of those could work. 
Our friends at Haggerty are always doing something new, and they've decided to have a new Haggerty Marketplace. It's your hub for buying and selling cool cars. With their reimagined classified experience, buyers can shop for vehicles for sale from the Haggerty Drivers Club members, and sellers get access to millions of car lovers. There's all kinds of cars on there, too, so no matter what you're into, you'll find something you love. And with classifieds, there's no buyer's fees, regardless of vehicle price. Whether you're looking to buy or sell, we highly suggest heading over to Haggerty Marketplace and taking a look around. We know you'll love it. Also from Colorado, Joe writes in, he has a problem, kind of, mm-hmm. because uh, he's been a car guy for a while, but now the problem is that uh, the Minister of Finance, uh, she's noticed cars too, and so the whole thing is changing. Joe writes to us from Fort Collins, Colorado. That's where I grew up, Joe. That's cool. Thanks for writing to us. Joe has an 03 B6 flavor Audi A4 Avant Quattro 1.8 turbo in red with a manual transmission. <laughs> that description is so specific. I instantly read it and go, he loves this car. He yeah, loves he does. this car. He didn't say I've got an A4 wagon. <laughs> that's, that's true. It's, it's a 2003 B6 Audi A4 Avant Quattro 1.8 in red with a manual transmission. I, I know exactly what I have. Ask me. Mine was a <laughs> B6 A4 Avant Ultrasport Quattro 3.0. I hear you. Uh, yeah, th- there's lots of reasons you picked this. Fort Collins, the Audi wagon. Yeah. There's connection going on. <laughs> well, Joe picked this car up about three years ago. Only 102,000 miles. <laughs> For five grand. Wow. Five grand. It had four previous owners and no service history and no PPI, so <laughs> scary, Audi. Very. He says it was kind of a gamble, but it was the only B6A4 Avant with a manual in his area, and the price was right. Yeah, five grand is right. He's a bit of a weekend warrior wrench and has done a fair bit of preventative work on it now, and he's started the Book of Maintenance that's capitalized. <laughs> that's an official thing. The it's, Book of Maintenance. Yes, it's, it's leather-bound. Thud. Yes, here, brace yourself. Drop yeah. that thing. He says he's done this maintenance for the next owner. The car now has 125,000 miles on it, running well, very reliable overall. He feels like he has gotten his money's worth out of it. I would say. Time to move on while the market is hot. Here is the issue. His, he said his wonderful, beautiful, loving MOF Anya has floated the idea of ever so graciously selling her car, which is a 2018 Mazda 3 hatch, 55,000 mm. miles, to get him a newer, nicer vehicle. Wow. Okay. She is very nice. Yeah, for sure. They bought it new in 2018, and it's been nothing but fun and reliable and surprisingly both hatchy and handly. Yes. Yes, they are. Glad you discovered it. Mm-hmm. But when they first bought her car, they made an agreement that the next vehicle loan would be his. It's only fair. But then, unfortunately, she be- she came down with a disease. <laughs> Everywhere they go, she's pointing out Porsches and Audis and Mercedes-Benzes and Lexi, Alphas, BMWs. Yes, all the fun stuff. <laughs> he doesn't mind this, but she's mentioned in passing that she wants to get rid of her car and get a Macan or a Land Cruiser instead of sticking to the prior agreement. Hey, honey. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, I get into this conversation at home, too. Anyway, I hear you. <laughs> Well, so he asks us, how can they satisfy both of their desires? He likes wagons, mid-engine, rear-wheel drive, all-wheel drive, fun, fast. She would like a taller vehicle with some luxury and some oomph that they can take up to the mountains on a regular basis. Mm. They test drove a 2016 Macan S a couple of months ago. They both loved it, but they're concerned with long-term reliability and cost of ownership. That sentence from you owning an Audi that you bought for five grand with Mm -hmm. four prior owners and no PPI. I agree with and that. And you are concerned with long-term reliability? For a 2016 Macan S? What? 
If you'd said the four-cylinder, I might have gone with you. The little tiny base engine, you yeah. don't want that one. Come on. You're concerned about reliability long-term. And don't you're think so. a wrench and you bought the Audi you have. Yeah. Very confusing. I hear that too. He's tempted to stay into the Audi, Audi family and get a newer CPO all-road or an older RS5 or S3. But what else is out there for them? Hmm. He says they can sell both cars and get something under fifteen grand for her that will satisfy her wants and something about $25,000 for him that is fast and fun. Or they can keep his car as a commuter and then have someone other than him teach her how to drive a manual transmission. <laughs> ding, ding, ding. Do not <laughs> teach her yourself. Congratulate her when she gets it right. That is, that is the job you want. You want to be like... Awesome. I'm amazed, honey. You got that first try. That's the job you want. Don't be the person in the car going, no, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he thought he could get something fun with modern luxury for about 40 grand tops. Please, no front-wheel drive, he begs. He's been there, done that, and wants a different experience. And then finally, the last option is that they both get something new to them for about 20 grand each. Mm-hmm. Wow, you've got many, many options. And she is very nice. And yeah, as soon as you get infected, Joe... All prior arrangements, all agreements go out the window. <laughs> they are so right. null and void. Yes. Anything you said longer than seven days ago is now no longer mm-hmm. eligible for being part of the conversation. I love that she's noticing. I love that both of you are into this together, and I want you to get something. I am going to spend more than you think, uh, but... No, no, they're probably not surprised by that. No one listening is surprised <laughs> well, by that, actually. Yeah. Well, here's why. Because okay. what first popped into my mind, Joe, for your wife is a BMW X3 M240i, like oh. a 2019 with almost 15,000 miles for 48 grand. Interesting. Okay. I think you right. really like that. Yeah, probably would. A few years ago, we tracked that car. Mm-hmm. Motor Press Guild had that available. Yeah. We took it out on track, and the BMW rep was kind of encouraging us to track it and come back and give him his, you know, give our impressions. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't you think this belongs on a track? And I was actually pretty reluctant going, this is a SUV. Why are, would I are you kidding? track this thing? And I came back and thought, you're right. Mm-hmm. This is actually pretty fun on track. Surprisingly, it was great, but probably not going to track it. And it'll be great to drive. It had a lot of power, great brakes. Plenty of space, mm-hmm. and it's a BMW. I think she'll really like that. And it's new enough with low enough miles. You can get, you know, same year, a little bit more miles and maybe pay less. So maybe 45, maybe 40, maybe. Mm. I also thought about that Macan. I like that for you guys. That's not something you should be afraid of. If you're coming from that Audi. Yes, I agree with this. And it sounds like the way you termed it, you said, I'm getting it ready for the next owner. You're not keeping that car. If you sell it for five grand, bonus. If you sell it for eight, done. Sweet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you cannot walk away from that Macan, any Macan S. Look at them. You know, if mm-hmm. you really liked it, get the one you like. Agreed. That's that is very kind good. of our yeah. motto over yeah, here. Yeah. Do you like the car? <laughs> Buy the car. Shouldn't you get that one? Because, you know, the whole back to the whole I like it thing. That's right. Yeah. You liked it. Mm-hmm. Why not? <laughs> I don't get it. I mean, the question is, can you afford it? But you guys, of course, you guys could of course. get yourself into a Macan S, yes. I thought of an older Cayenne as well. Mm. But I, I know you're in Fort Collins. You do have weather to deal with. But it seems like you're up for something interesting. By the way, there's a Fiesta ST uh, for sale that we know about. <laughs> yes, in, the, in your area. In, <laughs> it's fact. in Denver. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Not too far. But I thought about you stretching for an older Cayman. It sounds like you're ready. It sounds mm-hmm. like that's something you want. If you get any of the other Audis that you suggested, it will be more of the same but newer. Agreed. So, yes, get the RS5, S3. It, they'll be all great. 
it'll just be the same thing, but new Mm -hmm. and you'll like it and it'll be just fine. But I still think you're wanting something different. You're ready for it. Your, your email says to me that you want something sportier and fun. And on those really snowy days, your guys are trading off on the, on the BMW, on the X3. That's good. And then probably nine months out of the year, you can drive that Cayman there. It's good. What was the price on the X3 you found? Uh, it was a little high. It's $48,000, but the car only had 15,000 miles on it. Yeah. So, is, so X3 and Cayman is kind of where you're headed? Maybe. Okay. All right. All right. Just Joe, just brace yourself. Or maybe back yourself off. I found a 2015 Macan S with 86,000 miles for 30 grand. Yeah. Okay. So it's only 50 grand. Well, Caymans are a little bit more than 20 grand. But you know what? I'm just saying, if you like the car, get the car. If you can stretch just a little bit and you like it 80% more, Mm. is it worth it? Interesting. These are the questions of the podcast. These are the core questions of what we do, Joe, for sure. I have a few things to consider. First off, you, you've warped yourself with your Audi. You, you bought it for nothing, which means your expectation was low. True. Then you worked on it to make it reliable in something you know, and then guess what? It's been reliable. So you're now looking from that perspective and going, Audis I trust. That's a great point. And mm. I think if you buy one of these yeah. other used Audis, your concerns about the Macan would be far overblown in the Audi issues you'd find <laughs> yeah. with the old Audi, okay? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I agree, it is the same thing. I don't think there's any concern with buying the older Macan. I agree with that. But back to where you were, Paul, and that is I think you guys should really drive. You, you Joe, and your wife should drive an old Cayenne because yeah. you can yeah. get them surprisingly cheap. And if you don't get the big turboed version, this is what, I mean, my wife and, and my Cayenne is 100, uh, 156,000 miles now. And we it's just the three decided. Liter. Yeah, it's, it's the base V6. It's an early Cayenne. It's a 2010, so it's the last, it's the last year of the first-gen Cayenne. Right, right. And yeah, it's needed maintenance, but, it, but at this point, we're but what doing What car that doesn't? What Porsche between doesn't? Between 120,000 and 150, every car needs the kind of stuff we've done pretty yes. much. And of course, there's the Porsche tax for, for up, uh, upkeep. But it's been very reliable. We recently had a conversation about we're keeping it probably at least another year. And it'll be fine. Yes. So uh, drive an older Cayenne because there's more of them and you can find more of them cheaper if you're really considering that Macan. That's not where I landed, but I'm just thinking that's a real option for you. So I decided to take that 40 grand and split it in half. So you're going 20 grand each. So 20 grand for your wife, 20 grand for you. I'm trying to get her into something that has the thing she likes about that Mazda 3 with a higher ride height. Yeah. Because that's really what she's going for. And I can keep you right in the Mazda family. Wondered. She needs a CX-30. Oh, CX-30. Okay. Why not? Yeah. That that would be great. Used that is 20 grand-ish. For sure. sure. I mean, sure. you could get a CX-5, but the CX-5 is not going to feel as chuckable as the CX-30. And what no. she likes about the Mazda 3 is it's hatchy and handly chuckability, but she wants to ride higher. And she's intrigued by the Macan. And I just go, get a turbo CX-30. That in all-wheel yeah. drive turbo, we've driven it. It's excellent. Watch our test drive on it. Mm-hmm. It's really very fun. I like so that. I think it's a Mazda CX-30 turbo all-wheel drive for her, and that leaves twenty grand for you. This is where the Porsche badge comes from. Okay. Cayman maybe, but I think maybe Boxster. Do you? We know plenty of people in this area in Park City that have Salt Lake that have driven Boxsters year-round. It's true. That's very it's true. It's very doable. Okay. If you said to me, we live at a ski area, I'd be like, yeah, I don't know. You live in Denver. 
or well, Fort these, Collins. They're Fort Collins. Fort Collins. So they're a little higher. Uh, they're they're higher, but it's still yeah. And they get weather. They get of winter, course they do. Yeah, but it's not like you know up in Boulder or yeah. Like that. That, that's kind of what I'm saying. So we know plenty of people that have driven their Boxsters year round, winter tires, and been like, yeah. So I think hmm. that the Boxster might be the play because then you guys also have a really cool date night car. Yeah, you get the Porsche true. experience done. So you've got Mazda CX-30 for your wife. You've got the Boxster for you. You can pull off both for right around forty grand. that I'm staying there. <laughs> That's pretty good. Joe, write to us. Let us know what you guys end up doing. But I thought, you know, get you into the German cars. Because if, if you don't, you're still going to be pointing at BMWs and Porsches and Mercedes yes, when they go sure. by. I'm like, uh, <laughs> should we have? There it goes. There it goes. New experience. EverydayDriverTV at gmail.com to write your topic Tuesdays, car conclusions, and car debates. So many great questions. Thank you, guys. When we post a car that we're all, and I'm including us with you, we're all excited about, the questions come out of the woodwork, which I love. I, I want to remind you again, we can't give you any real driving impressions on the GR Corolla. There's been a lot of those questions. I can't answer them. I will, I will answer one, though, because there's nothing, nothing to do with driving impressions. Okay. Lee on Facebook says, will the GR Corolla baby... Can it handle baby duties? And my response to you, Lee, is the exact same as every other Corolla hatchback. It's not any different. The, the Marizo Super Track Edition, you're not going to buy that as your dad car anyway because it has no back seats. The back seats are missing. They're, they're gone. Yeah. They're, it's now like strut bait braces. <laughs> yeah. but, but if you don't get that one, which you're probably not going to get anyway because it's super limited edition, yes, because it's a Corolla. But they haven't done anything to take away its hatchiness. They just made it hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Austin Shredder on Instagram asks about the benefits of automatic rev matching like that is on the Supra. Mm-hmm. How does it compare to heel toe? How do you perform this properly himself to the same level that a computer can? A lot of practice there. Yeah. But the rev matching is great because none of us have to be embarrassed that we're using it. It just makes it fun to drive and you can come into a corner hotter than you thought and it saves your clutch. Mm. Also, if you're not used to heel and towing and you do it wrong... When you let the clutch out, you can lock up the rear wheels, which makes you out of control. Mm. So there's benefits to it. It makes it fun. You can always turn it off and go do it yourself. But it makes it very interesting. And you know it's something that gives you consistency from a track driving standpoint. Sure. But even on a canyon road, you've got consistency and you know that you're not going to let the clutch out, lock it up, or do something crazy. Mm Mm-hmm. But then it just makes you want to get as good as the computer can. So in a way, it kind of teaches you the proper uh, engine RPM yeah, yeah. that you need to match to yourself. So once you turn it off, you kind of know what you're shooting for. You know where the mm, goalposts are. Yeah, I can see that. It kind of helps you teach in a cool way. You can always leave it on. Just go yeah. drive. But then when you turn it off, you you know, you felt the car, you've heard it rev, you've seen where the needle goes at a particular speed and a particular gear. You know what you're going for. In a weird way, it's kind of a coach. Hmm, I hadn't thought about it in those terms. Austin, I do really like this question. I think you're asking about how to do heel toe a little bit, and I'm going to talk about this just a smidge. It really varies with the shoes you wear, how big your foot is, and how the pedals are spaced in the car mm-hmm. because all of that changes. Heel toe, by, by definition, means your your toes are supposed to be on the brake pedal and your heel is tapping the gas. But if you're in something like my Lotus Elise, 
you can actually almost hit all the pedals at once with one foot. <laughs> right, right. So in, in, in most sports cars that are well-spaced, you can put the ball of your foot on the brake, and you can put the other side of your foot where your pinkies are. You can put your, your foot is still mostly straight up and down. You can just blip the throttle by rolling your ankle. Some floor-based pedal 911s, you've got to really reach with that heel. It really depends mm-hmm. so much car to car. But all we're talking about here is the ability to have lots of pressure on the brake while your foot is also simultaneously revving the throttle. This takes so much practice. Yeah. And the more I do it, the more I realize I don't do it well. I work on it a lot. I would bet you it's I get it right on, 25 or 30% of the time that I try it, mm-hmm. where I just go, oh, that was a really good one. And then my brain can't do it that good again. Sure. You know, for a few corners or whatever. But it is very fun to learn. But but don't beat yourself up. But it is an interesting tool. It is an interesting trick. Like you're learning dancing or a music, uh, musical instrument or whatever. To just kind of work your body into that motion and coordination is very fascinating. But when I'm on track, I have to say, the rev match is great. I think it's just fantastic. hammer along. Agreed. Travis B. says, people ask for interesting three rows pretty regularly. Explorer doesn't ever come up, even with its rear-wheel drive bias layout in the most recent version. What's the reason for that? Is it true truck-like, or is it just in a blind spot? I think it's the second one. Yeah, I I think it's a consideration, but I don't think it's something people gravitate towards when they're thinking slightly enthusiast, something fun to drive. It's just sort of like, I need a pack of chewing gum. Mm Mm-hmm. I'll just get that. It's a it's a good competitor to the Durango, which is actually more fun than it should be as well. Yeah, true. They both can be decent. I mean, come on, they have the the Ford Explorer ST driving program here in Park City, and we see them all trucking by. I mean, they they are surprisingly good, but uh, I don't know that it, it feels like Ford and Ford did magic on a lot of their chassis for a long time. It feels like Ford has has pulled the performance out of a chassis that really doesn't want to do it. You know. <laughs> recalcitrant like do i have to do i have to take corners that quickly cutler colin on instagram says he really appreciated the porsche gt video thank you for watching that was a very fun one to do and we're pretty proud of it he said how difficult is it to talk and drive these amazing cars on track is it more difficult to talk on camera while on a track or on a canyon road um okay first off this is the thing that paul and i do well I can't claim we're great drivers. We're solid drivers, but I can't claim we're we're great drivers. I can't claim that, you know, we're going to put fastest lap time of the day because we won't, okay? But but we can do this and talk. And I will never forget the moment that happened when we shot our recent F1 episode for season 11. okay, yeah. And you got out of the F1 car after you'd done your laps. 70s F1 car. Pretty serious stuff going on there. Yeah. You got out of it, and we did that conversation. You and I have this conversation every single shoot. One of us gets done with the interview, and the other one says, how did that go? We're just doing a check-in on how mm-hmm. did your interview go? Do you feel comfortable? Do you mm-hmm. need more time? Are you happy? Can we move? It's, it's, that's, the, that's the question. You were climbing out of the F1 car. And I said, how'd you do? And that's what that question means. <laughs> and you made some comments about, and you're holding one of the, your, your audio in your hand. You, know, you, you made some responses about things you said. And somebody else in the pit went, wait, wait, wait. Were you talking and driving that car? <laughs> and I said as nicely as possible, I said, yeah, that's kind of the gig. Yeah. We have to. Yeah. So we ha- that is something that is finely tuned in us to be able to talk and drive. The, the track situation is interesting because you have a lot more people hurtling themselves around you, but at least they're all going the same way. True. And they all True. decided to be there to drive hard. The weird thing is canyon roads because you have the unknowns of wildlife and people not paying attention. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So there, we have to, for obvious reasons, we have to bring the speeds down on canyon roads because we have to leave that margin for error for craziness. Whereas yes. on track, at least yes. we're all kind of focused to be here. But yes, when the thing, I'll tell you, Colin, the number one thing I did in those Porsche GT cars was ignore how much they cost. <laughs> I had to yeah. just, as I left the pit yeah. lane, I just had to just wring that information out of my brain and drive. I agreed. Did that, same with the Formula cars, just leave that behind. Let's go get work done. But I know I'm slower when I'm talking on track. Of course. And I embrace that. It doesn't matter. It's about the driving impressions. And when we have a lap or two to go warm up on track, yeah. we're both faster. Oh yeah. For we're sure. way faster. For sure. But we're concentrating on precise lines and breaking points and acceleration and track in apex track out. Absolutely. But who cares? It's not like we have to set lap times while we're discussing something. I want to understand what it is I'm feeling. We're still going plenty fast. Yes. But just embrace it. I'm going slower. That's fine. Most people are when they're talking on track and you're talking it through mm-hmm. because you're thinking about the techniques and and techniques of driving and, and the, the line itself. Yeah, yeah. And then once you just go out and have some fun, yeah, we're fast. We're faster. Mm-hmm. It's great. But it's just lots of practice. Let's put it that way. Michael Peregrine on Facebook is asking an 86 track daily crush. She's asking about a lot of different variants of the 86. Which would we pick? And I'm not going to answer this because a lot of what you've asked is covered in a piece that we've shot and has not come out yet. Ah, okay. So we actually did a piece that I'm very excited about. It's it's on our ongoing GR86 series. We shot our GR86 versus a tuned with about everything you can possibly buy FRS first gen. Mm-hmm. And a pretty pristine classic 944 Porsche Turbo, <laughs> and yeah, we have we have a really interesting discussion. It was it was revelatory for us to have those cars back to back and think about the differences and think about the eras and think about what had been done. So we have that piece coming. So I'm not going to talk about 86s yet, as far as comparing what you've done in in all the questions you've asked until that piece comes out. Beer bikes and Battlestar Galactica. On Instagram, asks if we could recommend a car for his college-age son under ten grand that will mm. help introduce him to the fun of driving. May I recommend on our main channel when we drove a year ago, eight sports cars under eight grand. Yes, that's excellent. They're probably about ten grand at this point. Some have fluctuated. It depends mm-hmm. on how nice they are. But ask him what one stands out from a styling standpoint. Mm-hmm. Let's go drive that. And then what's the one you think is the ugliest? Let's go drive that. Mm-hmm. What, what's the badge that intrigues you? Sure. You might settle on M-I-A-T-A. Yes, you might. But you might think Z4s are cool or MR2s. I should go search, yeah, search for that. for sure. Take a look at that. Watch that through. And then uh, hopefully that will set him on the right path. That's very good. Chris Starr is asking me about focus groups. I mentioned in passing oh, yeah. in the 86 video that I was in. I didn't know it at the time. I was in the focus group for what became the FRS. And he's saying, how did that happen? Well, I still ask myself that question, but he's saying, how did that happen? How did that go? What was going on? This was, I had left working at New Line full time. So I had a very flexible schedule. So it was 08, possibly even, I think it may have been early 09, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. And a friend of mine who's an actor, he actually saw it on a call sheet. Because who's available in the middle of the day for to, to come to a big discussion that can be a, you know, a big focus group thing? Well, actors are available. It doesn't mean that everybody in a focus group is an actor, but that, that right. availability exists. And so he saw yeah. it on, a, on an audition call sheet. 
And he knew we were doing the show. We were ramping up the show. He knew my interest in cars. He said, would you like to go to this? Because when you go to a focus group, they pay you a little bit to be there. Mm -hmm. And I was freelance, so every paid day is a good day. And he was like, this doesn't make any sense for me. So I actually put in my info and, and got picked to go. And so I got there not having any idea what I was actually being asked about. And they were very secretive about it, okay? And all we knew was... It was something related to Toyota brand, like Toyota corporate, and this uh, marketing research company had come in from Atlanta, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. They, did the whole, they did all of the things that you've ever heard about. They had us in a room together, and they showed us a bunch of things and talked to us, and then they divided us up separately, and then when they had us made a mood, make a mood board. I mean, there was a lot of stuff, okay? Ah, uh, mood boards. Yeah, exactly. There's a lot of stuff going on. I remember two things that they did that I thought were very interesting, where they had us sit in a car. And then they had us, with cameras rolling, by the way, mm. like a guy holding a camera. I don't even know if I've ever told you this. guy holding a camera handheld. They have us sit in the car, put our hands on the steering wheel, close our eyes, and imagine it was our favorite car or our dream car to drive. And then they just videotaped what our, what our demeanor was when we thought about that, and we described that car to them. Okay. So that was interesting. Huh. And then as they were doing this focus group, they said we're also, because of course they had us all in the same rooms, we're also going like, to visit a few of you at your homes. If we people that we think are interesting along the lines of the kind of brand we want oh, this car, really? to be. I didn't know there's that. a few of you at your homes. We're just going to pick a few of you randomly. We're going to come look at your stuff, you, kind of. <laughs> so they picked me. And I they guess came, I didn't realize they that. came to my house really? and they asked a bunch of car questions and I showed them that I played Gran Turismo and they literally went for a walk with me and my dog because I had mentioned in some, one of the things in really? passing that I used to drive because I still have my 300ZX. I'd drive my 300ZX and my old dog Sierra would actually sit in the passenger side and lean through the corners. That's they right. thought that story was amazing. So we went on a walk with the dog. It was it, simultaneously amazing and ridiculous in equal parts. That's pretty deep. At every single step. Pretty thorough. So this is the focus group stuff. And they didn't do it with just me. This is the focus group stuff that led to somebody, I'm sure, compiling a bunch of crazy video of me and other idiots talking about cars that became the Toyota we think we can sell a sports car. Huh. And one of the questions they asked us, and I, will, I guess I'll take it as blame, is should it be a Toyota or a Scion? They asked us that question. I remember answering that... While Toyota had the history, Toyota has no uh, current reputation for making any sports cars, and you're trying really hard to make Scion a young, hip, sporty brand. So in that regard, it should be a Scion. We have you to thank yes, sir. for FRSs being under Scion? I, 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 I didn't know that. I don't know if it's my fault, but I, did, I remember <laughs> making this comment. Because at the time, it, I, I said it. I was like, what do you sell right now? You sell the, the Prius and the Camry. You're going to drop a sports car? I mean, you but have the history. Right. It kind of worked for them to introduce the car and then transition over. Yeah. So anyway, so that's, that's huh. the whole focus group. I don't think I've ever shared most of that with you. I didn't know that. It was a long time ago, but it was pretty funny. Well, last question for me on Facebook. Seth K asks, why manufacturers have gotten rid of physical dipsticks? Many reasons. <laughs> Thank you for listening. <laughs> <laughs> right. First of all, service intervals because those have been extended because of better oils Mm. and therefore better warranties on the cars. But ultimately, I believe it's accuracy. Oh, that's interesting. You're pulling it out of the tube. What's on the inside of the tube? A bunch of oil. Mm. Same thing with your transmission. It's lining that tube and it kind of bumps and jostles on the tube as you're pulling it out and therefore not giving you as 
accurate a reading mm. as a sensor down in the oil pan can. Now, mm. of course, it can't be done while the, after the engine has been immediately run. But when you turn it on and you go through yeah, the menus yeah. and it'll actually give you a very, very accurate reading, I think that's very important, especially for higher strung engines that if you're over, if you overfill them just a little bit, that's really detrimental to the engine. Like Porsches. We're, like we're also Caymans. talking about user error here. I yeah. mean, so yeah. many people, it's like, well, you, can you check your oil? What do you mean check my oil? How do I do that? And then they sure, don't Sure, what are the buttons that I they, push? They don't know to fight the thing you're talking about, about here's how to actually properly use the dipstick and get a measurement. Yeah. And, and if you're going to have the only thing that the average person is going to notice is a new Christmas tree light on their dash, hopefully they don't ignore yeah. it, then you've got to get the more accurate sensors. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I like having things like a dipstick, but I think, I do too. I think I, there's I like a it. lot of people that it, it would be baffling and they would end up potentially damaging their car more because the car doesn't know to tell them, oh my gosh, I'm thirsty. <laughs> Guys, thank you for all your questions. We haven't gotten to some, but we will continue. Please write to us, everydaydrivertv at gmail.com, like you've heard before, and we're looking forward to hearing from you. Cheers, everyone.